In today's episode, we discuss the strength of masculinity, modern dating, men's modern problems, why women are attracted to the bad boy, how to become a high-value male, mindset, and more. I really hope you'll enjoy today's episode, and if you do, please hop on and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today's show is brought to you by IcePod, finally an affordable, portable, and effective way to get the benefits of cold water immersion in the comfort of your own home. I opted for the Pro Bundle, which includes the IcePod, a water circulating pump, a special insulated lid, and a thermometer to check the temp of your water. Even in Georgia, the IcePod keeps my water between 60 and 70 degrees, and when I load it up with a 36-pack of water bottles that I use and refreeze after each session, I can easily get it around 50 degrees for the perfect cold water immersion experience. Despite being light and portable, the IcePod is super durable, and it's the perfect solution for anyone who wants to experience the benefits of cold water immersion without spending thousands of dollars for a home water chiller or trying to DIY your own. Cold immersion can help with recovery and muscle soreness, raise dopamine levels, help you wake up and be more alert, help you to burn more calories, mobilize brown fat, and more. Visit podcompany.com and use my special promo code SHANE50107 for $10 off your order, and each sale helps to support the show as well. Stay cool out there, people. Are you looking for the perfect high-protein snack that isn't loaded with stuff like MSG, nitrates, and sugar? Carnivore Snacks is the perfect high-protein snack made from quality grass-fed beef and salt. That's it. Each bag uses one pound of high-quality beef, lamb, pork, or chicken, salt, and nothing else. Aside from being easy, healthy, and convenient, they also taste great. These snacks are not just another jerky. They are way better. Give a bag a try, and I know you'll keep coming back. Check out Carnivore Snacks, spelled with an X, dot com, and enter coupon code SHANE05137 for 15% off your order, and each sale will help support the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast as well. Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, where ancient and modern wisdom come together to create a better way of living. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen, and each week we speak with successful people from a plethora of disciplines in search of wisdom from their own lives. Your own personal renaissance begins today. Let wisdom be your guide. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen. I'm here with today's guest, Bruce Da Silva. Welcome to the show. Howdy, everybody. How are we doing? Hello, Shane. Hey, thank, thanks so much for coming on today. I know you, uh, you, you, you made some changes to your schedule. You're on super early to, to be here this morning, so I, I appreciate it. Hey, man. It's like they say, early to bed, early to rise makes a uh, man healthy, wealthy, and wise. So Got to be for consistent sure. with so why don't you uh, just start out, just uh, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you and your background. Definitely. So as she knows, my name is Bruce Da Silva, Brazilian background with the last name Da Silva. I grew up in New Jersey. My parents came to the States in the late 80s. I was born in 96 and we have a family of four in New Jersey, me and my siblings. 
growing up was very fascinating, interesting. We definitely didn't have a lot of financial resources, which led us to becoming very creative and resourceful, which I believe is part of the immigrant story. From there, I, when I turned 18, I always had dreams of traveling and living elsewhere. So I decided to go to school, university in Tampa, Florida, which was a very powerful experience. From there, at about 22, I had left to go join the Peace Corps in Morocco. It's a government, mm. U.S. government program yeah. for volunteer service. Really loved it. And I was in Morocco for about a year. And then from there, I moved over to Israel, where I had studied and got an incredible degree in conflict resolution and mediation. Very crucial, play, crucial stuff to learn in an incredible place where there is a lot of conflict. And then from there, moved to the States. Thought I was going to do some mediation work and political work in DC. So I was there for about two years. And then right when I was really going to commit to something in that field, I went to a Tony Robbins event, which I'm sure you and your listeners are aware of who that is. And just really shifted my perspective as to how I want to conduct my life, what I want to do. And then from there, I stopped doing the political conflict mediation stuff and started building my own stuff with life coaching and incorporating philosophy into that. And then I realized why be in an environment that isn't as conducive to that field? So then when I turned 27 in May or in April, I spent one more month in DC and then I decided to pack everything I had and drove all the way over to LA where I've been here since May the 8th. And it's been absolutely incredible meeting people, learning. And for myself, it's just all about being in an environment where you can nurture your mindset and have the environment be suitable to you as best you can because we can't control it but if you're somewhere that's totally counter to what you're looking for it makes it much more difficult so since then been here building meeting people connecting and for myself i value so much knowledge and health and philosophy right wisdom the renaissance period all these things and i found that when you are in an environment that facilitates that there's less effort you put in to make those things happen so for myself it just sort of all lined, in, lined up into place. Yeah. And it, it's, it's super important what you mentioned too about like, you know, obviously like we, we are supposed to control our mindsets and part of like stoicism is, you know, making sure that we can like raise our levels of awareness, make sure that we can make our moods and our thoughts be what we want them to be. But there, there still is that reality that if you're, if you're in a bad place or if you're in a bad environment, it, it's certainly not going to make things easier on you. So, I mean, sometimes you, you got to be willing to just like take that step. Um, I had a similar experience when I was like in my really, really early twenties. Um, I grew up in Indiana and oh. um, I don't know if you've ever been there, but there's not yeah, really I, much. I, I, I drove by, not much. <laughs> yeah. There, there's not much going on. And uh like all the way up through my teen years, I just, I always felt like, like, man, there's just not much going on in Indiana. I feel like there's like more for me out there. And I, I made the decision pretty young to to move down to Atlanta where I still am now. But um, that, that was a really important decision. I came down for Brazilian jiu-jitsu at the time. Um, but for, for any reason, if I hadn't left, I mean, it's like, and it, I'm, I'm not trying to like judge the people too harshly that I grew up with, but it's like everybody I feel like is just in the exact same place where they left off. They're doing the same stuff they did in high school. Like 
they just they got a bunch of kids which nothing wrong with having a family but like i i feel like they some environments really want to keep you where you are and sometimes you have to be able to just you know take that take that big step and that leap of faith and do something a little different for sure i mean two points to what you're saying one because you're talking about environment if you look at let's say a seed for a flower that seed needs the right conditions in order to grow and blossom you need the water you need sunlight you need the soil without these three men you could be a seed that can turn into a beautiful rose you don't have your nutrients you don't have your environment you have no chance and even to your other point of the travel aspect yeah i mean if you look at even our way earlier roots we are nomadic at its core we're going out venture the patterns like you're talking about when we're staying in one place creates a sense of safety security and it's sort of in a way actually it speeds up life in one capacity although when you travel a lot and you move to atlanta from indiana you it also speeds up life because you get to see more of the reality of what it is so both of them like you're saying have their i don't say pros and cons but different paths as to where they go then again for sure more you're traveling more you're learning if you're reading books about the world and you're just speaking with people who are different you're literally minimizing the impact that ignorance will probably have on and Mm -hmm. isn't learning wisdom about surpassing ignorance as best we can yeah i mean for for sure expanding your mind opening your eyes to new perspectives i mean that's a huge part of the journey and that that is a huge part of why i think traveling and like having these different experiences is so important because every different thing that you go through you get a chance to view the world differently or through someone else's eyes almost and it's like that i i've always felt like if you're ever going to arrive at truth truth the 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 way to kind of get there is through having as many perspectives as possible because it's like for example if i just stay in indiana how, how much can i know about the world if i've never left my little town that i grew up in I've never experienced a different culture. I've never seen different languages. I've never uh, read books that, you know, challenged my preconceived notions. It's it's very difficult to get a grasp on reality when like you're 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 viewing life through this little tiny window and there's this this huge panoramic view that you've never experienced. Yeah, I, I would even beg the question, why is it valuable to learn something different? Meaning the people who stay in Indiana or anywhere else, and again, it's nothing bad, but they have a sense of identity. And typically when you go out and you see new things in the world, your identity is challenged because your belief system is challenged as well. Mm-hmm. So what's the incentive there too? Because sometimes it doesn't feel good. You could ask people, hey, do you like surprises? And everybody's gonna raise their hand and say, yeah, yeah, sure we do. And it's nonsense. They like surprises they want and the surprises they get that they don't want, they call them problems. So it's all this, this way of how we're framing it and we're seeing it in that way. Yeah, very That's, true. Can we be challenging to ourselves? And if we can realize that we do grow once we challenge ourselves, whether it's with books, film, interactions with people, that really is a stepping stone because that just makes you so much more versatile, able to connect. And this yeah. is a mistake many people unfortunately make where they don't actually take the steps to do that. And it's just very limited. For sure. So I, I know you're out in um, I know you're out in LA right now. Like, wh- what are you currently working on? Yeah, so it's it's building a life coaching business mm-hmm. is what I'm working on very very diligently. Definitely takes a lot of time. 
while expanding the personal brand to, and I summarized it in three, it's to educate, entertain, and encourage. Because everyone wants to be more educated, right? Education gives you freedom to some capacity. Mm -hmm. But so often education just becomes very erudite and it just doesn't really yeah. give you that connection. So that's where, for me, entertainment comes in and it's a nice mix of the two. And then it's encouragement because you can have the knowledge, you can have the emotion, but the encouragement is to help push. So it's building with that. And specifically, I'm targeting in not just the relationship space, but the social intelligence space, meaning how to understand social dynamics, knowing how not to say a massive blunder, not to really embarrass yourself. And if you do embarrass yourself, how to actually use it to your advantage as opposed to having it be used against you. So it's all this stuff with the mind, everything to do with psychology, philosophy, and finding a way to nudge people strategically from point A to point B and fill what they call the gap. And the gap is just the middle, the middle part, and it's the bridge that people need in order to get to that point B. Right. So I, I know that um, like right now the space and your your branding obviously has changed a little bit. I think you you're changing your you know your branding, which you got to do from time to time. I've I've done that recently yeah. too. Um, you know how it is. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've seen you do like a lot of uh, like dating tips and like kind of like the mm. psychology of like interactions and mm. you know romantic or pre-romantic settings, things like that. Yeah. So you know I, I know that uh. I sent you over some of the questions that I had. So something that I went through in my like twenties or early twenties, mid twenties was like, I, I always felt very awkward. Like, you know, I've always mm -hmm. kind of like felt like I was, you know, like a naturally good looking guy and I did sports and I was fit and things like that. But, um, I, I always had like a really tough time with, you know, I say like women, you're 20. So it's like, you're almost dealing with girls more than women, but it's like, I, I always had a problem in like, like a lot of men, right. I, I really struggled with like how to approach and like talk to a woman, which that's not what life is all about, but it's a super important thing, right? Like being able to have an interaction with, uh, you know, another human being where you can do so intelligently. A lot of men, like, we just kind of lack social intelligence generally like women are a lot more emotionally intelligent than us. Right. Like they, mm -hmm. they understand like how to read people a lot better. Guys are just like most guys in their twenties, you know, you're, you're like playing a video game for, for eight hours straight. And you're like, why is my girlfriend mad at me? Like, you know, she's, she's literally been asking you to take her to dinner for six hours and you're just like on call of duty. Um, but something that I went through, um, I had a friend that introduced me to like some of like the pickup artist stuff and it has a really negative connotation attached to it because I think there are some guys that are like, they took it really sleazy and they're like, all right, I'm going to use this knowledge of psychology to just manipulate as many women as possible into like hooking up with me, which, yeah. you know, like anything, right? Like a gun, it's like. You can use a gun for self-defense, to protect your family, to build a military, or, you know, you can use it for intimidation, harassment, just to murder someone in cold blood. So yeah. a lot of these things are like what you use them for, but like you were mentioning, putting yourself in a challenge. So something that I did is like, I am very introverted and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I hate like, I, I hate being at like clubs. I hate lots of people around that I, 
I don't like that thing. I don't drink. So that's, it never was super appealing for me. Um, and I would watch like real social dynamics. So I watched, um, uh, R, like RSD Tyler. Yeah. And like, so there, there are clips that if you take out of context, he seems like this really skeezy guy, but at the end mm. of the day, a lot of the things that he talks about are just like, you know, self-confidence, like, you know, just generally kind of how to read people. So there, there's a lot of things that I took from that stuff that I use, you know, now I'm engaged. So it's not like I'm using it to, to pick people up anymore, but, uh, you know, I, I use a lot of the things that I learned in like my everyday life. So I guess I'm just, I'm giving you kind of a setup here, but sure. you know, the, there's, there's like a negative connotation that is associated for some reason with teaching men, I guess, how to be able to converse with women, how to be able to approach them. Cause again, it's not something that's inherent. And I, I know that you specialize in working with maybe guys that feel a little awkward, that just are, are good people, good human beings that have a lot to offer and a lot of value they can bring to someone, but they can't get through that initial like five minute conversation without saying something stupid because they're nervous. So, um, mm. you know, two, two questions. Sure. Why, do you, why do you think there's like such a negative connotation uh, associated with like pickup art or dating tips and that kind of thing? And, you know, for you specifically, what is it that, that you do in that field? Yeah, no, great question. There's a lot to unravel with that. Uh, one of the yeah. ones that I was really at the top of mind was the comparison of, let's say, emotional intelligence with guys and girls. So mm -hmm. if you just think about, let's say, even early high school or sixth, seventh, eighth grade, really like eighth grade, girls hit puberty way earlier than men, right? Like about two or three years. Mm -hmm. And girls begin to get courted meaning there's attraction from the guys towards them at a much younger age. So they're able, it's like jujitsu. They're able to actually train in mental gymnastics, social dynamics. They're able to train in these at a younger and early age, and they get very high reps because they're mm -hmm. the ones who are getting approached. The guys are the ones who are falling over their feet with no real guidance of doing. It. So I feel like, I believe that's the discrepancy between the two. as to primarily why women tend, not tend, but are more socially intelligent than men. Mostly the guys who are with their girlfriend for six hours and they want to go to dinner, they're not doing it, or they self-sabotage, whatever it is. For me, they just don't have the necessary tools and skills in order to actually effectively communicate, court, and have a healthy dynamic. I can think of no single lady who wakes up ever in the morning and thinks, you know what, who's probably single, who goes, you know what, I really hope today that no one sweeps me off my feet. I'm not treated like a lady and I don't have some level of intimacy with someone. They're all going to want that. And th that's just the fact. So mm -hmm. there's, there's, again, there's reality. And then there's what we'd like to be true. That is the reality. And for myself, it does no service to, to ladies. If gentlemen do not know how to communicate effectively, like you said, there are some incredible guys out there who are genuinely good people who they don't have the tools to communicate and they're missing out. And why is that so important? It's not just for them. It's because there are guys with actually bad intention who know the game and can exploit yeah. it. Yeah. And so really it's actually a form of defense. <clears throat> of course, like you say about the tool and using it, that's why I love to incorporate philosophy and ethics because there are some dilemmas with it. In any relationship, even if it's a friendship, is there always a totally even level of uh, knowledge or interests? Ideally, yes. But at times you notice there is an asymmetry 
And what happens there is there's a responsibility on the person who has, I want to say a little more, uh, let's say acuity or a little more knowledge or awareness in order to use that for something good. And how do you balance it? That's the really tricky part. Uh, I believe that, that answers the first one, yes? Mm -hmm. First question. Yeah. And then the second one was for myself, how did I get into the space? Yeah, like what, how, how'd you get into the space? And I guess, what is it that you are, are trying to actively like teach people? And you know, what, what is yeah, it yeah, that you coach? Right. Yeah. Yeah, just for myself, I never really was a super shy guy. More of, uh, I was more of a clown rather than a comedian. They're two very different things. Yeah. Right? One is going for the approval of others and all that, and will sacrifice their own self-dignity. Right, that's the expense they'll get for approval of others. Comedian is more lifting, lifting everybody up in the same way. So I had that element, but I never really had the role model, role models to teach me how to do these things. And then I would listen to a lot of these love songs and these movies that portray a very idealistic form of romance and connection, but is not actually accurate in the description of connecting, even from a social dynamic, but specifically. Mm -hmm. What actually works to attract somebody? You know, you, you go on one date and then you show up with three bouquets of flowers and you play a stereo outside, over your head outside their house. They're going to call the police. Yeah. And you're going to go to jail. And your whole dating life is over and your, your career is over. And now social media, oh my gosh, if they have any kind of following, even small, you're out. So you basically sterilize yourself because of the movies you're watching that are there to supposed to help you, but they're actually not. And it's hurting guys. So I started to realize this. And, you know, like anybody else who went to college, most likely had more experience and exposure. And if, I'm assuming most guys fell on their face, quite like I did. And yeah, it just definitely gets tiring to make mistakes and not necessarily learn what's going on and what's happening. Right. So then when I had moved to DC in 2020, there were, there was a couple of relationships that I was in that just really woke me up to my, as the reality is my inadequacies and my incompetencies in this realm. And then I began to realize, you know what? What does it look like if I actually believe that it's all my fault and all my responsibility? Meaning, not saying, oh, it's all your fault, everything mm -hmm. went wrong. It's also meaning, oh, it's your fault that everything is going right. So when we take that responsibility, we can actually be more proud of it. And we can make that progress. So after these two relationships that I had had, I just thought, man, this is unacceptable because you really, I didn't have the tools I needed. Yes, yeah, sure, outgoing and could connect and all this stuff, but there are certain key elements in the courtship process that really do help a lot. So I began to read much more and learn so much more, really just for a month, super heavy. And I learned all my blind spots. And of course there are more to come, but I learned my blind spots and I've had way more success since. And it's really helped me realize that I was already good, but now I'm really good. I got my understanding, I know the dynamics, and now I'm building relationships. Those are, that's, that's the most beautiful part. But mm -hmm. there are a lot of guys, I wanna say, I really wanna say it, it's gotta be 80% of guys who are lonely, who don't know how to connect, who are self-sabotaging, are negatively affecting women, because what I realized is it's not the strong men who actually do damage to society, it's the weaker men. The, the man, I'll say boy, who can't effectively communicate their needs, uh, doesn't know how to engage in courtship, doesn't know how to express himself, they're isolating, 
they lack social connection, and then they start getting into a path that's very destructive. They start getting addicted to things. They start getting even violent. They start getting manipulative because they don't have the framework. To your point, some people who do learn these skills, of course, they're going to use them for evil. Of course. That's like saying, yeah, you know, we should teach people not to steal. Okay, I'm cool with that. But people still steal. So right. are we going to say to everyone and restructure society? We just can't. And I believe what the only antidote to negativity is positivity and learning how to use these tools, these skills for good, because all that does is it overcomes any of the negative that comes from. Right. And we'll see where it goes. Is it, how does this change when you go from courtship to actually dating? And how does this also expand into your work environment, your family and employees, employers in the business world? There's a lot of parallel that people tend to, tend to miss out on. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, you're, you're kind of touching on like the fact that there's, you know, in, in any self-development journey, there, there's like two kind of simultaneous aspects that are going on and there's your internal world. So like your, your own inner voice dealing with perceived inadequacies, trying to, you know, develop confidence, trying to like be comfortable in your own skin, form an identity you know, question preconceived notions, all this stuff is going on internally, but during the same time, you're also having to go out and be in the world. And then, so you have interactions with whether it's, you know, a date or, you know, with a, with your friend or with your wife or with your boss, like there, there's all these interactions. And I think that like, that's part of why I think every guy should spend some time going through like learning how to just have conversations with women, go on dates, like learn that psychology. It, it does really transfer. And like, I learned so many things that just became part of me through that process of like, you know, one thing that I learned, I, I was telling you a little bit about, you know, the fact that I was introverted and I didn't really like to go out. And I, I still don't really, like I said, like, like to go out, but I told myself, look, I'm, I don't like doing this and I'm going to force myself to do it. And I, it's going to sound funny to some of the people listening, but I would like, I, I, you know, set an alarm and I'd wake up at, you know, 12 o'clock. I lived like in a, you know, party part of like the city and I'd set an alarm for 12 o'clock and I'd, you know, go out to like a, the bars and I would just take a walk through and I'd see how many people were out. And I'd be like, all right, you know, here's my quota for the night. I want to get five phone members. Wasn't trying to oh take anybody home. Wasn't like, Powerful. Yeah. Powerful. You know, you know, it's really busy tonight. I'm going to try to get 10 and then I can go home because I hated being there. So, you know, I go up to the bar, I ask for my water, I tip the bartender a couple bucks and, you know, walking around drinking my water and I'm just going up and approaching people. And uh, something that I learned that was really important about that was like, we have in our minds like rejection or failure is like this, this terrible thing. You know, it's like, there's this movie that plays in your head and you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to go up to this woman and I'm going to ask her for her phone number. I'm going to introduce myself. And she's going to be like, get away from me creep. And like everyone in the bar is going to turn and they're all going to be pointing at you and laughing. And then you look down and you have no pants on. And like, you know, the, all this, all this crazy stuff is happening, but like the worst thing that ever happens, like the, the absolute worst is you go up and you know, someone's like, get away from me creep. Or like, I have a boyfriend and it's, you just move on. It, it like, it, it doesn't even phase anything. Um, so, I mean, going through mm. that process of like forcing myself to get out there and you, you learn about 
yourself. I mean, cause you're wrestling with yourself, but you're also trying to like interact with another person. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I learned that was so powerful for me from that experience was that like my, my philosophy or my lens that I kind of viewed that world through was like radical honesty. So, mm. and that's something that I, I still try to incorporate into my life, but like, I would just go out and whatever thought I was thinking or whatever I was wanting to say, I would just say it. I don't wrestle with myself about like, oh, should I say that? Cause how are they going to think about it? I, I put it out there and I just, I stand by it, you know, like <laughs> I had a really mm. long relationship with a girl and our, our first interaction, um, was, you know, I came up, I introduced myself at the, you know, at the bar to said, Hey, I'm Shane. What's your name? Um, you know, I got her name. We, we literally probably talked for like maybe a couple minutes, but you know, I would go by myself, which is kind of odd when a guy is just there at the bar by himself. And, um, you know, she had asked me a couple times, like, you know, are you here with anybody? And it's like kind of hard to explain. Well, I'm just like yeah. here by myself to get phone numbers. So, um, I was like, well, can actually have... what's that? It's like, can I have yours? It's like, yeah. Whoa, what? Yeah. You asked them. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm standing there and I'm like, she's like, yeah, you know, so like, what are you, what are you doing out tonight? And I was like, well, look, if, if I'm going to be honest with you, uh, I harvest organs. Uh, and I'm, I'm basically looking for my next victim. And like, you seems like you would be a good fit and she just dies laughing. Right. And, uh, I ended up getting her radical honesty. Yeah. I ended up getting her phone number. Obviously I wasn't trying to harvest organs. And the fact that you can even say that to someone on first meeting and like get a phone number from that is kind of crazy, but that's just, it's me. Like I have a weird sense of humor sometimes and she loved it because she she had, you know, probably 50 guys approach her that night and they're all like, oh, hey, baby, like, oh, you look you look so nice. Like wh whatever they're saying, whatever the game they're spinning is. And, right, right. you know, some guy just comes up and says something weird and makes her laugh. And, you know, that that was what it took for her. So, um, yeah. And and I think, you know, do you do you feel similarly that a lot of it is just about kind of like accepting who you are and just kind of like learning to channel that and be confident with that. Do you think that's a big part of the journey? You have to, man. And when people can misconstrue that. So any, this is the challenge with any advice in any field or insight. It's that any advice can be taken to an extreme. So I believe it's the like Plato talks about this or Aristotle. It's that any virtue taken to an extreme can become a vice, right? So mm -hmm. be totally yourself and totally have uh, go off for it okay, hold on now, wait a second, right? So it's like, how do we balance that aspect? It sounds like what you're saying is finding a way to own what you're, you're feeling, own your dynamic, because I mean, this is just the reality. We talked about earlier, women are so much more intuitive than men, it's actually incredible. I mean, it's because for them, it's actually a survival mechanism, right? And out in the world, they can be approached, accosted, whatever, and their life is almost, could be over. For guys, it's a very different dynamic. And in, in this sense, it's how do we find a way to make the setting comfortable? And what I've learned to this extent, it's definitely about the confidence, honestly. You can even be shy and introverted and still connect. It's the energy that you're bringing. And I know it's a very Los Angeles kind of term and very Western, you know, Western US, yada, yada. But it's true, man. It is so true because energy is really the intuition. Energy is you have an aura around you. And I speak with people now because I'm always interested in these things. Even in a friendship dynamic, 
when the person goes up, are they, do you feel sure they may be extroverted, but maybe there's a sketchy element to it. Maybe there's something there that makes you feel uncomfortable. When you spoke to this mm-hmm. girl at the bar with her, you probably came in very relaxed. You probably had a warm energy to you because the other guys had purely, what can I extract and how can I manipulate? Here's was how can I connect and how can I create? That's a mistake a lot of guys make too. And this is just a hack is they focus so much on exchanging information rather than transforming emotion. Mm, you could tell yeah. her everything cool about you. Hey, I'm Shane. I do this, play sports, yada, yada. Okay, cool. Someone may connect with that, but you're making her laugh is a way that you can basically disarm almost anybody. Because laughter, it's involuntary. You can't really control it. You could say, oh, that's offensive. Oh, sure. But did you laugh? Yeah, I did. Well, I mean, yeah, it's offensive and it's funny, right? It's how you yeah. get that mix. So in these points, yeah, it's, it's definitely going up in being confident. And confidence definitely stems from being competent. You know, if you know what to say to somebody or you know how to navigate these dynamics, you're probably going to be more confident. If you just right. go in totally blind and say, yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah, that definitely works too. And that's actually awesome. You can do that. There's nothing wrong with having a few things that are there to help you out. And like any stand-up comedian, they have pre-canned material. Nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of jokes I use almost all the time. I have, when I'm speaking with someone and they say, I told, I used to have really long hair, basically down to my shoulder, mm-hmm. but I tell them it used to be uh, down below my, my butt, right? And then they would say, oh my gosh, like, what made you cut your hair? And I said, well, you know, it, it was covering my best feature, meaning my butt. <laughs> yeah. That's just a playful thing, but I say that and they go, oh my God, what? <laughs> That's even with, with guys, whoever, because we're leading people down a path and life is so mundane. It's just so mundane. It's insane. Why do people, what's, what's the most valuable industry, right? Entertainment. Educate, no one invests in education. They invest in entertainment because they'd rather be stimulated than educated. Yeah. That's just the facts. So how do we change our interactions with people and elevate their emotion? Because that's what's going to resonate and connect. And they, they, can, they can smell, women can smell intention from a mile away. It's how the game is. And if we don't recognize that as men, we're actually hurting women because we're not making the social environments conducive to them. They're going to be more introverted, stay on their phone. I want to use these dating apps that I'm assuming they probably don't even like. Yeah. So I really believe the impetus is on us as men to learn these skills and learn definitely the ethics behind it and the morality and to use it in a way where we can truly connect. Because if not, man, we're just giving other guys a bad name. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true, and it it speaks to why there's like that that traditional stereotype of like women gravitating towards like the bad guy or the toxic guy, right? Because it's d- despite like all the bad, it's like that up and down of emotion is like entertainment, and that's why like there's yes. so there's so many women that are like, man, like why can't I stop? Like why can't I stop hitting up my ex? You know, like he treats me bad. He's like. Because there's like, he makes you feel so angry. And then there's that, like that moment of like hope where like, oh, I think he's going to change. And it, it, it gives that up and down and like, you know, nice guys, right. Or like good guys, normal guys, whatever, so to speak, like, this is something I have to work on or that I you know work on all the time, you know, with my fiance is like, uh, I'm, I'm like, I tell her all the time, like, I'm kind of a boring guy, you know, I'm like, I'm very disciplined. I like, I eat like the same, the same food 90% of the time. You know, I have like the same routine that I go through. I work out twice a day, I do jujitsu. 
uh, you know, I do my cold baths in the morning. I spend 30 minutes reading. Like someone that followed me around on the day to day would just be like, man, Shane is like the most boring guy. <laughs> like, what do you, what do you do for like, in, like stimulation? Cause I get stimulation just from, from doing, from accomplishing, from learning. Um, and you know, like it's very easy for me to get in a rut and to just kind of be like flat and mellow. And I have to be self-aware that, you know, as a partner in a relationship for someone that, you know, wants excitement, that wants that, it's, you know, I can't get too much in a rut, right? Like I have to be aware of that fact. I have to try to bring excitement. I have to force myself to kind of like think about, all right, what can we do that's that's fun this week? What what date can I plan out? Like what what things can we do so that I'm not just like in this routine? And I think that, you know, that that's like one of the big things that the the quote unquote nice guy has to wrestle with, right? Is that if he's just being good and just being stable and being nice and being kind, like it's not very mm. exciting sometimes, right? Um, wh what do you think, like what what's a good way to kind of bring excitement in? And then, you know, also, I guess, like, wh what do you think about just that, that, um, mm. that stereotypical, like toxic uh, attraction that some women are kind of drawn towards? There's so much we can go with this. One of the things that came up to mind towards the end of what you're saying is uh, Tony Robbins had told a story where people come up to him all the time and they're engaging with him, saying, I love your work. Thank you so much. And one thing, one guy came up to him and said, hey, you know, I really need your insight. Tony says, what's up? And the guy goes, you know, I'm not sure. Like, my wife, she left me, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm, I'm a good guy, right? And he goes, I, I saw that one, yeah. You saw that, and, and that's that's so. why he that's why she left him. Good guy, good is no longer acceptable. It sounds brutal. I'm not. I, I wish it wasn't the case. I <laughs> do trust me. That's just a reality. Yeah, and yeah, there is that toxic element of someone who comes back, and yeah, I know they're not good for me, but they make me feel excited. This is very true. This is very true, right? I, I would say in those instances, that doesn't really last long term. So right. that may, that's a short term approach, but it comes with devastating long-term consequences. Yeah. And when you want to build a family, things like this, it just doesn't really work out so well. A, a cardinal rule is that you can do anything to a woman except bore her. It's almost like people, but just don't be boring. You don't have to be this extroverted comedian, travel the world, every day is a new adventure, blah, blah, blah. How do you create adventure in your life? If you're with coworkers, how do you bring in your office? Let's say, how do you bring enthusiasm and excitement to them? Do you maybe bring them, let's say, a cup of coffee, and then you put a little smiley face on it? I, do you compliment them? I said, what are you doing to break the monotony of everyday life? For myself, I say that's the simplest way to do it. Thoughtfulness is what really can go so much further than, in my mind, this exciting, crazy stuff, because you'll also get burned out too. Yeah. And if that's not your identity, of course, expand your identity. Just realize that there are certain actions you can take that can facilitate the process. So yeah, be weary of the, the toxic element of it. It's, you, can, you can go for that. Sure, it's just not sustainable. And you got to think what kind of person are you attracting through a behavior like that? You know, if you really want to build with someone long-term or even short-term, you just want to have fun, all good. I've been there. I'm not against it at all. Just do you want to be scratching the surface of connection and int intimacy or do you really want to find a way to actually get deep and build that because now you're building a foundation 
and look at the tree that can blossom from that. And I yeah. think that's what people tend to miss when they just try to go for these uh, big, exciting dates all the time. Awesome. Are you going to be doing that for years? Probably not. But how can you bring intention, which I believe is more important than excitement, honestly, intention with, of course, results to any relationship you're developing, whether romantic or non-romantic. Because once you do that, you set a precedent for how things are going to look in the future. And through intention, you show that you're investing. And if the other person also invests in that, they're not going to want to pull out because we mm -hmm. want to remain consistent with our investments, with our identity. Deviation from that just makes no logical or emotional sense. Very true. And then, and attention is like, <clears throat> that's what really generates like a genuine connection. And I think that, mm. you know, a, a genuine connection with a human being, like a real true connection where you, you really listen to and understand and appreciate and accept this person for the way they are. And they have the same thing for you that that's like, you know, I think that that trumps excitement because, because deep, deep, deep down, I think that so much that we see in the world, like even like when you see people just like craving attention, like you talked about being a clown, I, I was kind of a clown sometimes too, you know, I do like fun, weird, fun, weird, fun. weird stuff. I take a stapler and I'm like stapling my hand to the desk and like, you know, what, Bro. why do you do this stuff? Right. You're just, because okay. you, you want attention, you want people to laugh. You want to feel like you're the center of something. And at the end of the day, like deep down, that's what we all really crave is like, real true love and acceptance and you know forming a real connection with the human being like there's there's really nothing i don't know i don't think there's anything that can really replace that like when you right. when you really experience humanity is like when you're when you're truly connected to someone and like you know so it can't all be about just like the the psychology right the the understanding of human dynamics this stuff is really important but at the end of the day right it's it's about and should be about forming a real connection with someone. If if we're just doing it to manipulate people and, you know, get get phone numbers or whatever, it's kind of it's kind of wasted in the end, I guess. And 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 I guess maybe that's part of why there's such a like kind of a general negativity towards like the kind of like dating pickup type world, because I think maybe sometimes people just like in every other aspect of life, they miss, miss the deeper meaning of like why you're, you're doing what you're doing to begin with. Right. Mm. Mm. It's, it's very well said, man. I mean, it, at the end of the day, what do people want is connection. Yeah. Again, Tony, the quality of your life is the quality of your relationships. How do you create that? How do you foster it? And really for myself, if, if you've been in a relationship that was awesome and then you're no longer in it, you understand how beautiful something like that can be. Or even yeah. just connecting with somebody. It doesn't always have to be romantic, but in the element of actually connecting with someone. And you know what? You know what's funny about what you're saying is that there's always a risk. Always. So the people who say, oh, I don't like this community, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there definitely is dark psychology and people who can manipulate, of course. Same way is, can we, how can we go through life not trusting anybody? And the best way to think about it is if you're driving on the road, if you're driving, cars are coming at you, what is the only thing separating them from hitting you head on? Two real things. Yeah. One is, of course, mutually assured destruction. Sure, because that would not be a fun time. And the second is a, is a yellow, is a dotted yellow line. That's it. So we trust people every day, more so out of necessity. We don't really have a choice, but we do have a choice because we could stay home. 
we could drive in the right far lane, hiding from everybody. It's it's almost it's almost inevitable. And, and to function, I think what helps is actually being able to see certain signs and is the person consistent with their actions. Because manipulation tends to fail when the person is not consistent with their actions. Saying, sure, I'll do this. Yeah, yeah of course, or whatever it is. And then they do the opposite. You already know they're out of integrity. They're not consistent. And you probably should go somewhere else. Sometimes yeah. it's that simple if we're really focused on the, I don't want to say red flags, but let's say indicators that this person isn't following through with what they're actually saying. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is that is so, so, so true. Um, and it takes me back to like, I'm thinking of all this stuff from like my, yeah, you know, my, my dating days, but um, there was one that uh, Tyler talked about where it was like clarity of, in, clarity of intent. And mm. it was basically, he said, like, when, when someone's thoughts, words, and actions are in alignment, there's clarity of intent, right? Like you, when, when, so, when what someone says, what someone does, and what someone thinks is all aligned, we can trust that person because they're, mm. they're being true to themselves, right? Um, and when you are around someone or when someone, when you see someone or someone sees you, and if you don't have clarity of intent, they can pick that stuff up right away. Like you were saying, like a woman, oh. a woman oh. knows when she's, when you're just saying something to kind of like manipulate her. And sometimes, unfortunately, like they'll, they'll still kind of go along with it for the excitement or whatever, yeah. but yeah. Um, they, they know, right. And people, yeah. a lot of times are a lot more intelligent of those things than what we think. And making sure that your, you know, thoughts, words, actions are in alignment. That's really a key mm -hmm. to finding happiness for yourself. But it's also like, red flag to to avoid other people if you're you know going into romance or you're trying to find a business partner or whatever when when you see someone we talked about this a little bit before we hit record when you see someone that's like oh you know i really i really want to be successful i really want to do this but then you look at what they're doing and you know they're they're spending like every weekend they're they're out getting drunk and they're spending the whole weekend hungover and recovery and then, you know, during the week, they, they sleep until 10 o'clock and they're, they're late to work for by 30 minutes every day. Like their actions are not backing up what they actually say. Right. So we, we tend to want to be around people who have clarity of intent and really we should aim for ourselves to have clarity of intent as well. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And it's, it's having, it's being congruent. Yeah. This whole thing, if you say something, can, how like they're you to follow up on it? Cause that also creates safety, which is another element we could even dive in on. That's just what it is. Can people rely on us? And how safe can we make someone feel? If I say I'll do something, do I do it? And then am I also sharing, let's say, a thought process? Without the clarity of intent, man, it's, it's very, very challenging. Because then there's always, it's, it's like an asymmetry of information. If information isn't amongst you and whoever you're with, you're operating in different planets. And how do you really communicate effectively and transparently and have all the mutual needs met in a way that's healthy, effective, and actually sustainable, which tends to not be the case because people people play these games. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you too, like something that I I think a lot about is, you know, specifically just obviously because I'm a man, so I understand some of the, the struggle. Um, I, I think that men, especially like in this modern age, we, we got a lot of, we got a lot of issues, right? We got a lot of things that we're working through a lot of, a lot of obstacles to surmount. Um, you know, what do you think some of the major issues that like modern men are facing are and 
personally, when you're coaching, when you're dealing with men, like what do you give or what advice do you give? And how do you think that men should surmount some of those issues? Uh, It's a fascinating question. It did cut out a little bit, but I'm understanding the question being overall, what is a challenge facing men and what can men do? Yeah. Yeah, basically. I mean, well, essentially what's happened is the world is flat. Meaning not that we're going to drive, we're going to ride a boat and then we're going to go off the edge of the earth. Well, the world is flat. It's become, as I'm sure you've heard these ideas, but it's, it's hyper competitive. We're no longer competing for Sally down the street or the local job. We're competing against the billionaires, millionaires, competing against the athletes, rappers, celebrities in big cities around the world, Paris, London, Tokyo, uh, New York, LA, Miami, let's say Austin, San Francisco, it's become globalized, not just the dating marketplace, but also the the marketplace of business career. What this happens is the the need to provide for men has just increased tenfold because you can no longer get away with being incompetent because someone else will just replace you and, and then just take everything you've ever wanted. So the world being flat in that aspect, for me, definitely adds to it social media as well because now you have the ability to market yourself even in different ways right so how do men usually market themselves on social media and even a business sense is showing the accumulation of resources mm-hmm. women tend to do that in the sense of their beauty it's just their appeal and that's something they have that is incredibly valuable so with that there are more good-looking women than there are more successful men there's there's more beautiful women than there are millionaires or men who are even financially secure and independent. With that creates such a separation. Yeah. To add to that, add insult to injury is the, the availability of pornography as well. So like you're saying, if you're shy and you don't want to go out and mingle and oh, what's the point, play video games for eight hours, yada, yada. Yeah, you just pop open your phone and you have more access a boy now has more access to naked women in, let's say, a 30-minute seating or session, we'll call it, than the richest king, Mansa Musa, in history, the, the king of Mali, and I believe the 1400s. More access to that stuff. And that skews the perception of reality. Because if in your mind you're getting all these rewards, but in reality you're not doing anything, yeah. it's just such a total discrepancy. And with pornography, the reason it's done so much damage or how it's done so much damage is that it's the three A's behind it. It's affordable, it's accessible, and it keeps you anonymous. Affordable, you have Wi-Fi, you can see everything. It's accessible, you have your phone, and it keeps you anonymous, where before you'd have to walk to the store or whatever it is. Now you can literally just go in your closet, go in your bathroom, whatever you're gonna do, and just have yourself a session, right? So the advent of highly accessible, anonymous and affordable pornography definitely has decimated men's desire to actually become something Mm -hmm. because why should they do that when they're getting all that dopamine rush? And it's just, there's no resistance. There's no rejection. There's total abundance. It's fully accessible. I mean, it's hyper competitive. What men can do, because I don't believe in complaining about the problems, but gearing towards solution is the reality is that they need to develop skills that are transferable in the reality of the world. Meaning, they need to develop social skills. They need to find a way to be financially independent to some capacity. They need to build some kind of network. 
And say if these are all high level things that they can do, that's fine. Read a book once a month on social dynamics, on psychology, on mindset, on philosophy. Yeah. Learn how to speak with people of the opposite gender. Learn how to speak with people of your same gender. Learn how to frame these dynamics in ways that are going to be beneficial. Upgrade their philosophy. Practical things that they need to do is, of course, read, take care of their health. I would say, and I know it's one of the questions later on, so I, mean, I don't want to get to that yet. It's about the younger self. But do things that your younger self would be proud of with regards to how it could benefit them down the road. Yeah. You got to exercise three to five days a week minimum. You got to be eating healthy. That's just the fact. Alcohol. Why are you drinking alcohol? Why? Why? It's, it's masking your insecurities and it's giving you a scapegoat to become someone. So the culture has definitely harmed men recently. And there is an over, overcorrection, especially, you know, from let's say certain movements and which is rightfully so to some capacity. But I believe the antidote isn't the vilification of men. It's the elevation of men to places where they feel empowered, mm -hmm. but with a mindset that they can feel proud of what they're doing. If you say shame, shame, shame is someone so frequently and so often, they're going to believe they should be shameful of something. And even if they, if they are, rightfully so, but it doesn't help to punish. It helps to improve and grow. I'll, I'll end with this point. What we do, even on a larger scale within prison system or any even classroom dynamic where someone misbehaves and we punish them, yeah, we're teaching them not to be, we're teaching them, them that their behavior has to change, but we're using fear. And the fear element, they're only going to act a certain way up until the fear of punishment is gone. Right. So what we need to do is we need to find a way to not double down on minimizing the vice, but double down on maximizing the virtue. I believe when we do that, we're emphasizing the positive and we're gearing towards something versus running away. We need that. Men need community. They need purpose. And at the core of it, become someone that is able to attract rather than chase. If you want to bring a butterfly to you, you don't chase the butterfly. You water your, uh, and you create a beautiful garden and then the butterfly will come to you. Yeah. If more men did that, I believe we'd be in a much greater spot. Yeah. And that, that, is, that is so true, right? And th there's so many things you touched on, but it's like, you know, in our, in our modern society, the majority of women, for example, are, are generally attracted to the smallest percentage of men and the men that they're attracted to are the men that are doing all the things that you said, right? Like they're like every woman you ask her what you want. And it's, it's almost like a meme at this point, but it's like, Oh, I want, you know, I want the six foot tall guy that makes 250 or a million dollars a year that, you know, has the six pack that, you know, goes to the gym that dresses well, like, all these things, right, are just, they, they want the guy that has invested in himself. That, that's like at the end of the day, that, that's what it, they, they really want. They want the guy that's secure, the guy that's confident. The reason he's secure, the reason he's confident is because he's worked on himself, right? He's, he understands how to talk to people, how to go out into the world and get what he wants. He understands the importance of self-discipline. He understands the importance of honesty, the importance of uh, you know, character and ethu and uh, ethics and honor, like these things are what we should seek. And if we seek these things in ourselves, then opportunities automatically just are attracted to us, right? Versus going out and trying to just 
Of course, there's times where we have to go out and get things. Not everything's just going to fall in your lap. But if you're working on you, if you're investing in yourself, you're going to be able to capitalize on these opportunities and these things that do come across your path. Like something mm. that I always think about is, you know, th there are random things that happen in our life or maybe divinely they're brought to us, however you choose to look at it, right? But there, there are things that happen that are beyond our control. There, let, let's say just for the sake of like illustration, there are three major opportunities that come to everyone in their lifetime. So you don't get any decision on what these opportunities are, but you'll be presented with three random opportunities that will be life-changing and will give you the life that you've always wanted. But you don't know where they're going to come from. It, mm. it might be a, it might be a career opportunity, but you don't know what career, right? It could be maybe you need to be an engineer to capitalize on this career. Maybe you need to be an entrepreneur to capitalize on this on this opportunity. Maybe you have to have a hundred thousand dollars sitting in the bank in order to invest into this business. You don't know what it is. So the more tools and the more assets that you can add into your life, and the more diverse you can make yourself, the more ability you have to maybe get lucky to capitalize on one of these chances, right? Because if, if your first big opportunity that hits you is, for example, I'll, I'll take investing in a business. You got a friend and he says, hey, I want to start this business. If you can throw $100,000 in, we can do it. If, if you don't have that $100,000 and you don't have access to the capital, like if you don't have good credit, if you have no ways of lending or investing in, to get that money, it doesn't matter how great of an opportunity it is. It doesn't matter if you were perfect for it. If you don't have the money, it doesn't happen. Um, yep. so, so the best thing that we can do to be successful in life, I, again, is invest in yourself, you know, save money, do all the things that everyone tells you that you're supposed to do that sound boring, be in good shape, exercise your mind, uh, mm. you know, f focus on bettering yourself, focusing on, you know, trying to look inward at how can I correct some of my deficiencies? How can I be better? How can I push myself to grow as a human being? And the more you do that, the more you're able to copy like capture those those opportunities on the back end that, that is perfectly said it's uh what's his name said it warren buffett it's like the best investment he ever made is in himself or yeah. overall i think it was actually that and a or the best return on investment is investing in yourself but also yeah. a course he took with dale carnegie on how to win friends and influence people and it just really teaches yeah you got you got to know people you have to you don't have to be a master of course it helps know the basics but when you're developing yourself and growing, you have more to offer, right? It, this is the society that if you were more valuable, you probably have more success. So that's the brutal truth. And it's something bad. We got to reframe these, these perceptions of, oh, it's so sad. No, what a, what a blessing, especially as guys. What a blessing that in a way, sure, we all have value, of course, but we really have no inherent value in the sense that we become who we are. It's a beautiful thing. One of my favorite quotes, I think this is a top five, and it's from the, the Renaissance. Yeah, it goes, it's by, I believe it's from the Renaissance. Michelangelo talks about it. And they were asking him, how did you create the statue of David? Majestic, beautiful work of art, renowned, everybody loves it, amazing. What he says was so profound. He goes, I, I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I set him free. Yeah. It's insane. It's exactly to your point. We have to recognize that there is an angel in the marble that is begging to come out, begging to be, but will never be free 
until we do what is necessary in order for the angel to be. That's what we have to do. When we do that, it's a wrap. It's just, once we do that, it just snowballs and things continue to build and it's never the same. Yeah, so so true. And and on that subject, so there's a couple of questions I'd like to ask all my guests just to get an idea about, you know, some of their kind of like personal habits and things like that. I want to start out, what are your daily habits? Like what, what things are you doing to help carve out that angel in the marble? Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, you, you got to win the morning. Man. You got to win the morning. And the evening is as important for sure. But the morning uh, for me is just, if you think of every day as a new life, your, your morning is when you're born. <laughs> That's just what yeah. it is. You come out of the womb every morning. Come out, you say, oh, wow, this again? All right, guess we'll do it. Who knows if they're going to wake up in the morning? That's something to be grateful for. That's a beautiful thing. Begin the morning with Athletic Greens. Not to promote, but really Athletic Greens, I've had it for two years. I use, a, I use almond milk, vanilla flavored, and it's, I just love it. I could have it. I could drink gallons of it. It's, it's amazing. So I'm doing this one. I have a priming routine I do in the morning. It's through Tony Robbins. You do three sets of breathing, three things you're grateful for, and then envisioning what you're going to achieve in the future. So it's a lot of anchoring your mind into mm -hmm. gratitude, which of course lowers stress and cortisol and all these negative, negative hormones, but that are necessary, these hormones. And then it also propels us to a compelling future. So something to strive towards. So we anchor ourselves. In, in, we change our physiology, crucial. We emphasize what we're grateful for. So we're going in the past, but we're creating positivity towards it. And it could be in the present or future. And then we look towards the future to have something goal-oriented and to put ourselves in a state of what it's like once we get there. Uh, that one, and then of course, I do text my mom every day, good morning. We've done it for probably 10 years. So I've got to communicate with Mama Da Silva. And then lastly, Whatever exercise or workout you do, I do mine in the morning and I don't check social media until I completely finish my, my workout. I sauna and I shower. Everything's dressed. Once I'm good, okay, let me enter the matrix. So then I get on social media and I start looking at, okay, what's going on? Because that way you got to take care of the body first and then everything else is going to flow. If you take care of the body first, someone cuts you off in traffic, let's just say you're much less likely to freak out because you're anchored. If you don't do this, you're walking and someone doesn't hold the door open for you. You may, th you may throw a ruckus. You may go crazy because you're not anchored. And when you're not mm -hmm. anchored, your boat will sway wherever the wind will take you, wherever the current goes. If you're anchored, you say, hey, this is my position. I'm going to be navigating this as best I can. And I'm not helpless. I'm going to learn how to be helpful to myself. And to, to win the evening, Ideally, the evenings are a little more difficult for myself because the juices are flowing, everything's being created. But it's really to wind down, of course, put the phone away. If you are going to use the phone, you've got to get off social media. Oh, my God. You can't be on there. You can't be on there for, I'd say, an hour before bed. Yeah. And then to end it, it's journaling out whatever happened in that day and what I anticipate tomorrow to look like. So those, that's my overall routine given. The only thing that changes in that routine really would be either the workout if I'm traveling and the time difference. And I got to say, that's actually about it because everything else can remain consistent regardless of where you are, or what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great, great routine. Uh, I, 
definitely a, a lot of uh, a lot of repeated uh, routines in there that a lot of the people that I've spoken to emphasize. Right, the the working out, the meditation, self reflection, uh, the the journaling. It's part of the thing with the anchor that you mentioned is like it, it's. I think it's about being self-aware and it's about being inward focused, right? Because when, when we're just like in the world, we're just reacting. We're like an animal. We just kind of like respond to stimulus. But when we take a second and we take that energy and we like direct it inward, it allows us to experience the world in, in such a different way. Um, just recently, I had a, a guest on and we were talking about like the, the monkey mind versus the watcher, right? Like the... Ooh. The monkey mind, you're just like, you're going, going, uh, success, success, success. I'm driving, I'm in traffic. Uh, I'm, get, I'm trying to stuff like McDonald's in my mouth on the way to work. Now, like, make money, make money. Make, uh, like, you're you're just so lost versus like, okay, I'm, I've got my workout in for the day. I, I read my inspirational passages. You know, I focused on what I was grateful for. And then, you know, someone cuts you off in traffic. Well, you know, I'm going to be five minutes late for work. It's not going to be the end of the world. You know, what what's really going to change? Like. And you just, you respond to life so, so differently when you're in that, like that, that grounded state. I think it's so important. And we choose that, which is beautiful. Yeah. What about, um, what about book recommendations? Do you have, uh, like, you know, if you pick out two, two books that you would recommend to people, what, what would they be? It, it cut out a little bit, but you're saying the two book recommendations that really stand out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. I do remember that one. It's tough, man, because I, I read quite a bit. I, I'm definitely, I, I don't even like reading actually, which yeah. is funny. I like the discipline it teaches me, it reinforces, and the value that is gained from me. So it's discipline over desire, right? Or desire, whatever, all these things. Uh, the two that I had thought of that I believe would provide the most value, and of course, it depends circumstantially where you're at. I would say overall for just, I say anyone looking to genuinely improve their mindset and actually learn things about life in the world, it's two books they have to read. Uh, the first one is Awaken the Giant Within, Tony Robbins. That's a full manual as to just how to shift, get literally get from point A to point B. And it talks about, of course, mindset. It talks about the psychology of belief, of self-fulfilling prophecy, how to base of communication. It, that book is transformative. It is definitely a top five book for myself. And then on the flip side, uh, it was between two books. And I would say it just depends what's more your flavor. But ideally, because I believe a lot of people don't know the basis of history, it would be Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Mm -hmm. It's a, a brief history of humankind. The other one would be his sequel book, Homo Deus, about the future. But that book, Sapiens, it just helps explain so much about how about how we operate, right? It's because history isn't a study of what's happened, it's a study of change. And when we study change, we learn how to create change within ourselves and within our societies and within our communities now on a smaller scale. And actually these two books are the inspiration for a lifelong project I'm creating of a book I'm, I'm working on that it's essentially, the inspiration for what I'm writing comes from this book, from these two books, and it's about questions and narratives. The Tony Robbins book is constantly about what questions are we asking ourselves and how that leads and, and the world and how that leads to what we create. And then Yuval's main point is that hu humanity's success is primarily 
has primarily came from our ability to create story and narrative. Because story mm. is what encapsulates all these elements in the world into some kind of structure. So if you want to definitely take back your mind and master it so that the world can become your playground, you need to read that Tony Robbins book, Awaken the Giant Within. And if you want to be much more well-informed about the world, culture, society, how we got from where we were to where we currently are, you need to read Sapiens by Yuval Harari. These two books, if anything else you don't read, you got to read these two books. They make you smarter and they make your mindset like steel. And it gives you the strategy. It's not just saying, think well, think positive, yada, yada. That's all true, but there's no roadmap. Yeah. And it's like you're running east looking for a sunset. You want the sunset, you want the mindset, and it sounds nice, but the sun sets in the west. And if you're not going there, you will never, ever find it. I, uh, you know, it's funny because with Sapiens, like I've, I've probably held that book in my hands or had it in my Amazon cart like six or seven times and just never, never like pulled the trigger. I'm always just like, man, it sounds really interesting. Like it's always been one of those books where I'm like, yeah, I want to read that, but I've just never gotten around to it. Um, so you, maybe you'll push me over the edge here to finally like okay. just hit, hit the buy button on, on Amazon. It's, it's, it, you, you got it. It's a long book. But it's it's like a it's like you're reading a story. Yeah. It, it's one of the very few books that it's actually like a story and there's no characters in it and he never talks about himself. Very unique, unique. Interesting. Book. What about um <clears throat> what about like personal heroes? Do you do you have any heroes or anyone that you you know particularly look up to? Yeah, plenty of them for sure. And the definition of hero is one that is definitely different. And how we navigate it. I would yeah. say one of my, it's got to be intellectual heroes for sure. My inspiration for philosophy, it's got to be Socrates. I mean, this, this guy, he, he just changed the game. He yeah. genuinely changed the game. He was consistent in what he believed. He made people think, which is something I love to do. Sometimes it's to mess with people a little bit just for fun, but it's really to get people to think. And he was, he was, corrupting the youth sure uh, whatever you want to say about that but he was getting people to think for themselves which if you're not doing that you are probably the most dangerous person on the planet meaning and voltaire said this he said if you can get people to believe in absurdities they are able now to commit atrocities and yeah. that's what it is absurdity is when you do not challenge or think for yourself that is dangerous and socrates i respect him because he stood his ground he was consistent and he remained and he, and he actually remained within his belief structure of what was necessary to do that i would say when i was younger it had to be kobe bryant i mean i'm in la so and i mean kobe he was just the hero of mine because yeah. he he was just so tenacious ferocious relentless and through any injury he just found a way to persevere and for me that was so heroic because Man, it's easy to give up and quit, but the hero perseveres when everything else, everything seems to be against them. And, and, and the saddest part is when he passed away, it's just, you know, you think if anyone could survive a plane crash or a helicopter crash, you would think it'd be Kobe because he could survive anything. But to yeah. do that, it's, it was devastating um, on that front. But yes, yeah, so it would be Socrates for intellectual, Kobe for inspiration. And then finally, because I thought about this when you sent it, 
the hero for me is anyone who, especially immigrants, but I would say people who work a job that isn't glamorous, isn't so flashy, showy, mm. but that provides for them and the ones that they love. And they're not taking the shortcut route that would typically harm others in some capacity. I find that so heroic because the difference between a villain and a hero, right? It's decisions that they make. You know, one, they've both been done wrong, but the villain wants to get retribution and vengeance and the hero is simply looking to get justice. I find that so powerful, man, and that, that inspires me all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it definitely is a perspective is, is huge. And I think that um, I like that you touched on the idea of like something that a lot of the guests will talk about is the fact that, you know, we shouldn't do like hero worship, right? We should like remember that these people are human beings and, you know, everybody has like drawbacks and they have strengths and weaknesses. And um, I, I like that you emphasize, right, that, that there's heroic things that just normal human beings do every day. Like the, the dad that gets up and goes to a, a job that he hates every single day because he's trying to provide for his family or, you know, the, the person that, you know, leaves like a, a, a cartel infested country to come and start a new life here in America or, you know, even just like someone that does a service job, you know, your barista at Starbucks that just always make sure to have a smile on and they may be going through hell at home or going through hell in life and struggling with bills, but they still try to put the effort forward to just making people smile and like bringing good energy into the world. Right. I think there's, there's a lot of like heroes that we overlook because we're, they're not glamorous, but I think that's a really important distinction to I, make I, for sure. I, I love that point. It's an important distinction to make. And I just thought about this recently. Um, I forget how I, I wrote it down in a little quote, but, when, when we meet our when we meet our heroes, we can begin to humanize them, and then we can become the heroes for ourselves and other people who needed yeah. someone to be there. We need to humanize our heroes. If we don't, in my opinion, yeah, it's like you know, people say, "Don't meet your heroes." I think that's if you have a perspective of recognizing that they're not human. I think it's you should be your heroes because you recognize that they are human, just like you, and they're able to achieve and even become larger than life heroic, meaning you can do the same thing, right. <laughs> you can do the same thing if you have the discipline, ethic and the mindset to do. For sure. Everybody has the, the angel trapped, trapped within the marble, right? We just gotta, Oof. just gotta set it free. <laughs> set that angel free, man. That angel has been begging. And the question is how much longer are we going to keep that angel in the marble? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I've never been, I mean, I've been in there before, but you know, there's no oxygen in there. You can't breathe. You gotta get out for sure. The the last question I got for you. Uh, so I like to ask people about you know pick whatever time frame in life it may have been, but I feel like a lot of times people struggle in their teenage years. You got hormones raging. You're trying to find your place in the world. But if if you could go back in time to yourself at a vulnerable point and offer yourself like one piece of advice for going forward in life, what would it be? Yeah, excellent. I thought about this. Very simple. I had I had three. Uh, drinking's overrated. First, read a book every week that expands your mind, makes you a better person. And lastly, it's to live in the moment, but to think long term. Mm. Yeah. 
I, I really like the uh, live in the moment, but but think long term, because I think that that's the that's the struggle to find that balance that a lot of times like you, you'll hear people say like, oh, live, live like today was your last day on Earth. But unfortunately, like if, if you truly, truly believe that your last day on Earth, like you're probably going to be a little self-indulgent, right? It's like yeah. you're probably going to do some good things, but, you know, you're probably going to want to just do some stuff that's like hedonistic and fun. Um so I, th I think it's important to remember that balance, right? It's like pr pretend that you're dying tomorrow, but also that you're going to live forever and that you kind of have to like the, the actions that we're going to take today are going to lead to that, that life of, of blossoming down the road as well. well that, that was a beautiful saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, live as if or act as if you'll live forever or this whole idea, right? Like be in the present and then acknowledge that things are going to change and how yeah. can you account for it too? It's, it's so powerful. For sure. Well, Bruce, uh, I think it's a good spot to wrap it up. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and speaking with me this morning. If, if anybody uh, listening wants to look you up, find out more about your uh, life coaching or, you know, the work that you do, how, how should somebody uh, contact you or look you up? Definitely. Well, thanks for having me, man. This was a, even, although it's early, it's, it's never, a challenge to do things like this early when there's substance. So I appreciate that for sure. For myself, uh, social media is the best place to find me. Bruce, B-R-U-C-E, underscore D-A-S-I-L-V-A, the Silva, first and last name. And you can check out podcast, Zeus with Bruce, everywhere. And yeah, shoot me a message. Let's connect. Let's make things happen. One of the things I really love doing is being a bridge builder and connecting two people, two groups, that may not have had the chance to connect. Uh, mm. So I'd love to help out with that and go from there. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, thanks again, Bruce. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Will do. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate you, man. Yep. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, and hopefully you learned at least one lesson on today's episode. Our mission here is to uncover practical wisdom to create a better way of living for our audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us by leaving the show a review on your podcast platform of choice and by giving it a share on social media. This really helps us to grow our audience and to continue to add more episodes. If you are interested in learning more, please check out our website at renaissance-wisdom.com or check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, now on Amazon. Thank you again, and may wisdom be your guide.